Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Welcome to, in my opinion, the best place to learn how to do business better, all because we focus on those actionable, practical strategies rather than the fluff, rather than the inspirational quotes, rather than the things that you might find on social media. We really drill down to the things you need to know that people often aren't always talking about. Now, I'm your host, Blake Benz. I've been doing the podcast for about five years now, 400 episodes. It's an incredible place to talk entrepreneurship and business. And one of the things we do on the show is we like to bring on amazing guests who can talk about their sweet spot, the things that they know, and really their story of entrepreneurship and running businesses at scale. Today's no different. We have an amazing guest on the podcast today. We have Jacob Freeze on the show, where typically when I bring a guest on, I say, hey, here's the business that they run. Well, this isn't the case with Jacob. He actually runs several businesses. In fact, he's been a serial entrepreneur since he was 15 years old, and he's worked in a number of different industries across different categories. Uh, You may know him from Freeze Industries. You may know him as the president of Barnett's Dariette. You may know him as the president of Freeze Fireworks. You may even know him as the president of Slate Gap Signs here in Northwest Arkansas. There's all sorts of things that he's doing, which is why I'm so excited to get some of his good advice on what does it mean to do business well. Stay tuned. Before we dive in, we do have a word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. Of course, if you've thought about advertising on the podcast, you can always reach out at Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. And don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to give us a follow and give us a review on the show. Really appreciate it. All that to say, we'll be right back. Talk soon. There's one single piece of advice that I give to business owners who are ready to scale their business drastically, and that's knowing exactly what you need to hand off so that you can continue focusing on what you're an expert in. It amazes me when I talk to business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping and tax prep, and worse, that they're going through all of this paperwork at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, even midnight, slaving away trying to make sense of all of the numbers for their business. Business owners who are making it happen have already figured out that you can't do it all yourself. That's why I recommend Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. Not only is he an expert in bookkeeping and tax prep, but what I love about Steve is that he'll sit down with you and help you make sense of the value of your business beyond just reading a spreadsheet. You'll be able to make better decisions, and more importantly, you're going to save yourself the crucial time you would have spent going through QuickBooks or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that keeps us up late at night. So save yourself some time and some money by giving Steve Lay a call at Equity Business Solutions, and he'll show you the value beyond your numbers. Go to EquityBusinessSolutionsLLC.com to find out more. Jacob, it's so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's it's such a pleasure to have someone on the podcast who, honestly, I feel very grateful that you've made time for me today because I know you have... Uh, you know, you aren't, you're not, you're so, you're so much a glutton for punishment that you don't have just one business. You have a multitude of businesses yes. and uh, you're one of our, uh, our local business owners. And so it's great to have you on and just, you know, talk a little bit about the journey of entrepreneurship and running businesses at scale. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's for the audience and sake, and we had, we had our intro at the start of the episode, but welcoming you on the show. Um, you obviously you're running, you're running freeze industries. Uh, what all is entailed under that 
under that yeah. uh, umbrella term. Yeah, under the umbrella. Um, so I have my restaurant, Barnett's Dariette. Um, it is Silent Springs. Springs. Yep. Yep. It's been around since 1957. I'm the third owner. Wow. Uh, I've owned it for just over six years now. Um, I have freeze fireworks. Yes. Um, very excited about that. I'm really, uh, working on growing that, uh, business. Um, we have been around for five years. Um, I have, um, freeze construction, which is a fairly new company for me, although I grew up in construction. I haven't done anything in the last 20 years uh, in in that business for myself. Um, and so embarking on building spec homes. So really excited about that. Um, have a couple of other... Do you just get bored? Like, <laughs> like tell me, I, don't, I, I just think about myself, like running one business is grueling. You just named three. And by the way, for our listeners, these aren't like, we're not talking like uh barnett's dariette was that the name mm-hmm. you know we're not talking about jacob's like garage where like someone pulls up and he opens up the deep free oh yeah right here you go like these are these are legitimate businesses that are all doing really well i mean how do you do that so i definitely have adhd um no doubt um self-diagnosed of course um and i you know i actually literally i was waiting on a zoom call the other day I had a few extra minutes and I decided I'm going to actually write down a list of the companies because honestly, I, I literally sometimes forget. Um, of course, I have a couple of shell <laughs> companies, you know, we, yeah. we do that for tax purposes. Um, but um, I actually ended up adding some that are in the pipeline and I'm at 11 um, with three in the pipeline. And so, um, oh my gosh. I, yeah. We don't know each other well enough for me to like razz you, but I, cause I would be like jokingly being like, <laughs> why do you hate yourself? But, um, I mean, you've obviously found like a system that works for you. I mean, yeah. I'm really curious, like week to week and, and we'll get into more of the details of this as we get farther in the, in the conversation, but like in a given week, like how do you manage this? Like, is it, is it like, okay, this week I'm focusing on this business. Is it like, do you break it down like by day? Like, is it just kind of like how things pop up and it's like, I want to work on this today. I mean, what, I'm just very curious your process with all of this. Yeah. So, um, definitely blessed to have a great management team at my restaurant. That is first and foremost, because, um, if they were not, uh, you know, part of my team, um, then I would be fixed to four walls every Mm -hmm. day. And so that is, that is very integral part of my business. Every, every all my businesses um as far as what do i decide i'm going to work on it it does you definitely get curveballs thrown at you no doubt um i have tried um time blocking on certain things um you know you read about a lot of like, mm-hmm. elon musk and you know yeah. all these other guys that do time blocking um and so i do attempt to do that um but again curveballs uh constantly like, yeah got a refrigerator that went down at my restaurant, you know, like we got to like figure this out, you know? Yeah. I had a really busy day and my wife knocked on the door cause I work from home and I was like, yeah, what's going on? And she was like, I need you to see this. And my daughter had put a bead up her nose, mm. like a little tiny bead Oh no! that they, which by the way, I just got to tell you, I, I got, I got a bone to pick with my local church cause they keep giving her like very small objects. And I'm like, people please. But they had given her a bracelet. And it had, she had taken it apart. She had put the bead up her nose because, you know, why not? Right. <laughs> She's an innovator. And um, sure enough, I could see I could see it all the way up at the top of her nose. And this was like around the middle of the day. We did not get home until like nine o'clock at night. So when you say curveballs, I mean, this is this is a norm in the business world is every day you run the risk of 
you know, is my day going to get hijacked? But so you had a fridge go down. Yeah. And yep. which, you know, it happens. I mean, we've had uh, a fridge go down before. And so then we got to like get a game plan. Like, are we are we going to get a service tech out there? I mean, things are throwaways these days. I mean, these are reach in coolers, not like walk in coolers. And so it's like, are we going to get a tech out there? Is it really worth our time? So, you know, trying to, to weigh yeah. all those options, because obviously you don't want to spend four hundred dollars on a refrigerator that costs thirteen hundred dollars when you can get it's five years old. You know, you get all brand new mm. seals and, you know, everything. And are you so, are you I, I'm so curious because I've noticed like people who are more seasoned business owners, like there's sort of like a gut check or like fast calculations that happen like. Like, are these things that are just like instantly firing off in the back of your mind? Yes. That's, yep. that's just incredible. Yep. I mean, I love that too, because we talk a lot. I, I post today on social media about the overnight success story and how it doesn't exist and how it's, you know, you're, you're going to be in a grueling process to run your business. But right. one of the things I mentioned was you can't learn the nuance of what it means to run a business overnight. Excuse me. <sighs> Excuse me. And that's one of the examples of what I'm talking about is. All of those calculations and decisions and, you know, long-term planning. I mean, you made that in a moment, but I mean, maybe you could be like a, a business savant for all I know. Day one for me of running my business, I would not have even thought about those things. Yeah. And, and you know, it does. It comes with experience. So, you know, before this restaurant, I owned another restaurant up in Southeast Kansas for six years. Um, so as an owner, I've been in the restaurant business for 12 of the last 15 years, or I guess 12 of the last uh, 20 years. And then I, I grew up in, you know, as an employee in restaurants and, and working full service and fast food. So definitely comes with, you know, lots of years of experience for sure. Would COVID happen? Was this, I mean, you're, you're thinking about a business that is largely shut down. I mean, it's, you know, almost out of business, technically the, the restaurant industry for better lack of a, lack of a better phrasing. What, what was your thinking through that time? Yeah, uh, it was definitely interesting times. Um, I um, there was n- there was no making fast decisions then. It was mm. you know take your time, make calculated decisions, you know, and and do it you know for the good of your family, for the good of your employees' family. Um, thank goodness they didn't shut down. We we have counter service, not full service. Um, so thank goodness they didn't shut down us entirely, but adding processes um and and extra staff um to make it happen it's so interesting too talking about this um without i'm trying not to get too vague or ambiguous here but like that that expertise of knowing when to make a gut decision versus this one needs to i need to simmer on this one a little bit more yeah and i think it's dangerous when you mix the two up and then on the flip side um even just knowing knowing which lever to pull or like, am I, am I, is this a gut decision or is this a, we really need to think about this. And I think like in the, in the big picture, like we understand these things when it's like, I'm buying a house. Okay. I'm not going to make a gut decision over that. Um, so I think sometimes the context lends itself to knowing which is which, but is this something that you feel like you've, you've had to learn and develop over time? Or, I mean, have you kind of always had a proclivity for, business and entrepreneurship and kind of like the macro side of things like what's that look like for you yeah i think that's a um, excellent question because um as you were talking there i was i was just really kind of reliving some moments like i am naturally an aggressive decision maker um mm-hmm. and so yeah. me too it, it, yeah and mm-hmm. so it um you have to really become very emotionally intelligent if you want mm. to be a good solid business owner, good boss, 
um, good coworker, you know, and um, it's it's patience that I'm learning still, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm better than I was 15 years ago. Um, but it's definitely patience to learn those things and, and really, um, decide, okay, when are we going to be aggressive, make some quick moves? Uh, mm-hmm. cause those are needed too, for sure in business. But then when are we going to slow down a little bit and take our time? And, and when you make mistakes, are you someone who, do you typically, and it's such a hard question to ask because there's no way to ask this without making it sound like, you know, like, yeah, of course I move on from my mistakes. But I know for me, like I'm an aggressive decision maker. I go with my gut a lot. And there's some mistakes I've made where I'm like, even to this day, I'm like, man, that was such a stupid decision. That was really, I really hurt myself in terms of like the long-term success of my business. Um, and then there's other decisions where it was a bad decision. And it's like, I just can't spend any time thinking about that. I bring this up because I think a lot of business owners, especially when they're newer to the business world, they put so much stake in making the perfect decision um, without understanding that you're going to be making these decisions every second of every day. How do you how do you typically respond when you make a bad decision? Well, first and first and foremost, um, you know, honestly, that's one of my almost daily prayers to God is help me make good quality decisions mm-hmm. every moment of every day because as a business owner absolutely you're making decisions multiple times an hour multiple times a minute sometimes mm. um and so that's one thing that i constantly pray for is is the wisdom yeah. to make those decisions because i don't have time sometimes in the moment to, to you know say a prayer yeah. it's like just help me through all of these yeah. um but um you, you know um i think that uh as i've grown uh, as you go through repetition, um, you start to think, well, you can't, like you said, you can't really dwell too much on the mistakes. We could have a, a whole separate podcast, maybe a couple of podcasts on the <laughs> failures that I've had in business. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, um, I think it was Mark Cuban that said, uh, in- enemy or, or um, Perfection is the enemy of profit. Mm. Um, and I really, those words come through my head quite often. Yeah. It's like when it, cause I, I'm super OCD too, which makes me a great restaurateur. But at the same time, you know, in, 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 in business decisions, it's like, okay, when are we going to like take all the time in the world, dial this in? And when mm. are we sometimes just going to release something, you know, and just mm. see what sticks? Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting too, because I think, you know, when we talk about, running a business, some of these things get so, um, I don't know if discarded is the right word, like knowing how to make right decisions, like knowing how to like when to pause and when to press, like all of this stuff's very hard to quantify, or at least if someone's asking like, Hey, how do I run a business? It's hard to then like share, like, here's what you're going to have to think about. But especially, I think it's especially in terms of mistakes, you know, I, I, the way I've heard it described and you might like this analogy is thinking of your business in terms of crystal balls and rubber balls and decisions you're making, you know, ideally the ones that you mess up are rubber balls. Cause you drop them and it bounces back up into your hand. The ones you don't want to drop are your crystal balls. Cause in many cases there's no recovering That's from that. But I do like your comment though, about, um, you know, I wish we had more time to talk about business failures, just because I feel like, especially, I don't know how much time you spend on social media, but, um, we so love to really hone in on the successes, but I've been thinking about like another podcast, which I can't help myself apparently, but called ugly businesses. And it literally being all around like the really successful business owners 
but like the really awful decisions that were made and why, but why they thought they were the right decision or I haven't fleshed it out in my head, but this is actually the first time I've talked about this, but anyway, then again, maybe people wouldn't really care about listening to business no, failures. No, I, I think but. that it's important to know. Uh, and, you know, again, I listen to a lot of podcasts, listen to a lot of books. Uh, you hear extremely ex- successful um, men and women talk about you've got to learn from the failure. You learn more from the failures than mm. you do the wins. Um, and so, uh, absolutely, I've learned so many things uh, over the 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 many many failures many mistakes you know and sometimes they're little sometimes they're a daily decision sometimes they're a Mm. business failure and so and when you're running a business at the level you are i say at the level in the sense of like you're running multitude of businesses how do you like reconcile that with like control or uh, control is not the right word i mean obviously you have different like aspirations and priorities and goals for each business you mentioned you have your team that you rely on I mean, going back to that first employee, and you've been in the restaurant industry for a while, so this isn't probably a newer conversation, but I mean, bringing on that first employee, like handing off control. I mean, a lot of people listening right now, they may not even have their first employee yet, and they may even be terrified of the idea of like, I can't trust them with that. I mean, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's it look like relinquishing control and relying on other people for your business? I think that's a great question because... um the one thing you have to come to terms with. So I, like I told you, I'm OCD. Like I am very particular about everything, you know, processes, uh, everything down to the, to the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Um, the one thing you have to just come to terms with as a business owner that it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> and, and so when you rely on that, you know, number one employee or number 10 employee or whatever it may be, you have to just, um, kind of relinquish that control, um, and, and just understand that it's, it's, it's really just never going to be perfect again. Mm -hmm. You, but again, it goes back to the phrase of perfection is the enemy of profit. Mm -hmm. So you're a one man band. You're not going to be able to produce nearly as much as multiple people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you come to terms with that, I think that it, it makes things easier. Of course, there's always those, those big mess ups by an employee Yeah, that then you have to really sit there and think, you know what, if I was in that position, you know, uh, I could have made not only that mistake, but I might've even added to that and made this other mistake, you know, that kind of tag team on with that. So you just have to put yourself in their shoes and know that those situations sometimes happen. And sometimes those, those are really painful. There was a, uh, um, I can't think of which one it was, but like a global, like cloud-based, um, software, uh, it was like a data management company. And they were managing data all over the world. One of their techs, one of their engineers was doing some kind of update to the software and accidentally deleted the whole database. Now, fortunately, it was they ended up it was had been like printed on someone's hard drive or something like six days before the book or creative. I don't remember uh, the details yes, about it. it I was, just it was actually Pixar. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Oh, oh, no, that, that is a, that is an okay. example. Different, I do know that story. story. Okay. Yeah. And that was for one of their films that they had been working on. Yes. This is one that I, and I can't give a better example because I'm really bad by the way of like watching a YouTube video and then forgetting all the details yeah. of what I saw or yeah. like I'll see someone in public and I'm like, Hey, I just, I loved your post you just made. And they're like, well, which one? And I'm like, well, now I don't remember which one it was. I just remember sitting there and being like, Ooh, I really like this. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I know the Pixar story. This one though, um, Someone had made a, a, a uh, backup like six days earlier. So it took like six days to 
you know, get a transition back over, but it, it brought up the question of, should this person be fired? And the answer is either yes, because they made a huge mistake or it's, well, now you have someone who really is experienced in knowing what not to do. So yes. maybe they're an asset. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, whenever your employees make mistakes, it's interesting listening to you talk about this, by the way, because I know a lot of people when they're hesitant to give up control, when that employee makes the mistake, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, see, this is why this is why I have to micromanage because I can't you know, I can't trust them not to make stupid decisions or, you know, whatever stuff you've probably heard before. Honestly. Yes. And, and on the note of micromanaging, um, that is one thing that I really was bad at in my in my 20s, uh, into my 30s. Um, and then as you again, more experience, more time mm-hmm. um, working with, you know, I, I've had as many as 25 employees um, in a single business. And micromanaging is something you just got to let go of Mm. (laughs) because you, you will, I don't know. I think you'll live a shorter life if you don't, Mm. (laughs) because the blood pressure and anxiety of constantly having to be, you know, micromanaging every little move. Um, so that's, that's something, um, that really is kind of a, I can actually sit and think about some particular times where I finally just relinquished and it, it's a good feeling. Yeah, I think about a customer I've had who she she was like a uh, home organizer. So like her skill set was really like what she brought to the table, like seeing seeing the space and all this kind of stuff. And um, she has like maybe eight or nine employees. One of our conversations was we have to free you up. Like there's you're at your capacity, which means you need to delegate. You need to hand this stuff off. And it was really funny, like those early conversations of her being like, well, no, like there's no way. There's no way I can do that. Like they can't do it. And then like a year later after she had been doing it, it was, she was like, this was way better. Like, I wish I had done this earlier, but there's that friction. I think as a business owner where, you know, you put so much blood, sweat and tears into it that you know how you want it to be done. And it can feel, I think understandably, we feel very protective over our business and even inviting other people into it. For sure. So So you, you have, you know, 11, was it 11 businesses? 11 on, at least on the horizon. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So like when you think of like, are you thinking about like macro stuff, like the economy of inflation? Like are these things are, are these, are these things that get into part of like your decision-making or is it kind of like that's noise? And I'm just like, like, I'm very curious how you balance your aspirations with like, I mean, we're getting we're getting inundated constantly with conversations about all this stuff. I'm just curious, how do you, how do you navigate entrepreneurship with all the noise? Yeah, I I think that that's, uh, it's important to know what the economy as a whole is doing, um, to sit and, and micro analyze each individual day, (laughs) month, week, whatever it may be that the stock market's doing or whatever you, you happen to pay attention to, um, I think is, is kind of a a waste, um, of energy really. Hmm. Um, so I try to stay away from a ton of news and, you know, I, I, I get some awesome daily emails that give me Hmm. kind of a rundown of what's going on. Um, but, um, I was, I was actually just listening to Grant Cardone book, um, 
which was the 10x mentor, the second one that he mm. wrote. Yeah. And he talks about the economy. Like, you know, make sure you're saving your money so that you can make some moves when things are down. Yeah. And he's bit. big on like using debt to like build up your equity and things like that. So it, that, that makes a lot of sense that he'd have a, a finger yeah. on the pulse with that. But, um, but no, in general, uh, you definitely have to know what's going on um, because certain industries, of course, are more sensitive to those things. Um, but in general, um, I'm always going to be thinking of the next business to start. And so then, of course, you know, timing comes into it for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, my my wife, I drive my wife a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> by, hey, guess what I thought of today? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I am a man of action. Like I when I come up with something, it's really hard to get it out of my head. So I'm either going to research it to the nth degree um, or I'm just going to take action on it. And, and so that's sometimes uh, <laughs> an anxiety. What what fulfills you about all this? I mean, it's clearly you, there's something about starting and growing something that you seem to appreciate. I mean, I'm just very curious about, you know, that you're not just like an, an ideator, like, Oh, it'd be cool if someone did this. Like you said it yourself, you're a man of action. I mean, yeah. what is it that, that drives you to keep Gosh. doing this kind of stuff? Um, I, I think I, I just have a need in my life for some reason for new things. And I like to try to create new opportunities, obviously. Um, and there's, I have so many varied interests, um, as you heard from, you know, fireworks to restaurants to, um, you know, wh- whatever the next thing is coming. Um, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm going to need to now contemplate that a little <laughs> bit more, um, because that, that's a really bad answer. No, um, it's, it's, yeah, but I just was curious. Yeah. I, I love, um, I love new things. And, um, and I think that's going to be one thing that's going to be really cool with getting into building spec homes is I love to see development. I love to see progress, um, love to see new things. Um, and so building homes will be an awesome extension of that. And you know, something really interesting about this is it, it sounds like you don't just like new things for the sake of them being new, but there's this interesting inflection point with something that is exciting and new to you, but also has like a market fit to it. There's a guy on Reddit. I don't know if you ever get on Reddit at all. Um, and again, I'm butchering. I, just, I tell you, I think of these examples and I can't think of specifics, but his whole thing is designing useless things like that is he has like a at this point, pretty prolific social media account of his latest invention. Nothing anyone would ever buy. Um, and I, I can't think of an example, unfortunately, but um, point being, I think there are people out there who are ideators and they're innovator, innovators, is not the right word. They They love new ideas and they have a creative mind. But it doesn't always gel with, okay, now what's the format of how I take this to market or like, what does it look like to actually make money doing this? And it seems like that's something that, that naturally comes well to you, that you appreciate new things, but you're also thinking about like the actual business of the idea. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, the, I I think probably everybody has a software idea in their head that they're like, Hey, that would be awesome. Well, I have a couple and one is, is in the works uh, a little bit smaller scale one is huge scale and um it's it's things that i come across in my daily life like why isn't this being done mm. and how can we do you know what can we what can we create to mm. solve a problem i mean that's that's everybody's you know business model is what mm. what what are we doing to solve a problem um and so i think that um I, again, because I have my hands in so many different things, um, I come across a, 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 a large amount of, 
problems that need to be fixed or things that are being done that aren't being done right. Mm. And and so then I do, I have this drive to want to, I don't know, innovate is is maybe not the best word, but, but um, you know, bring things to market that would make more sense, I guess. How do you, when an idea dies, like when you start to think about it, you start to like put the legs on it and then you, you look at it and you're like, this is, this is ugly. <laughs> and let's say it gets to the point where it's not like, okay, I'm going to ideate, I'm going to innovate on this. I'm going to create a new version, but you literally, you get to the point where you're like, I need to let this go. Do you do that yes. easily or no. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, not easily for sure. Because when I, and my wife will tell you this, m- when I come up with an idea, I fall in love with it. And I, I do. That's one thing as I grow and I learn is I need to not be emotionally attached yeah. <laughs> um, for sure, because that's, that can be the death of anything, even if it's a good idea. Um, but it goes on a list <laughs> on my notepad on my phone. I'm like, okay, this one's going to be bumped down the list now. And we're going to, table it for now and I'm going to either have more financial means to you know do it better and do it right from the get-go instead of starting small and trying to build it um, or we're gonna tweak the idea and we're gonna innovate a little bit more and yeah. come back to that it's interesting because I think about you know uh, I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who are listening can relate with this you get so I think sometimes you get so emotionally invested in the idea. And I think for many of us, and this is not to challenge anyone who's listening, but it might be a challenge. Many of us get into entrepreneurship, not because of necessarily the idea, but because of all of the emotional energy that comes with, I'm an entrepreneur. I quit, you know, I quit my job or I had a guy who I was talking, I was giving some advice to, and he was like, um, he was like, I so badly want to be an entrepreneur. Like, I just think about it all the time. And I was like, okay. So for him, I knew it, it wasn't an actual idea. It was this brand of entrepreneurship. And so I, we took it one step farther. I said, well, what is it about being an entrepreneur? Cause I can think of for me personally, um, some really awesome highs, but some also really freaking low lows yeah. of like, how am I going to pay these bills? What am I doing? Sure. And all this kind of stuff. Well, so I was curious and I asked, well, what, you know, what is it about entrepreneurship that you love? Like, what do you think entrepreneurship is? And he was like, it's awesome. Like you can just sleep as late as you want and no one tells you what to do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know if that's, I think that's immaturity is what that, yeah. I don't know if that's entrepreneurship, yeah. but in his case, it, it was the title, you know, big E entrepreneurship. It wasn't like the actual idea. So I think many of us get so emotionally involved in it when it's not even really the idea. It's, you know, I have to succeed because I'm an entrepreneur now. I think what the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is that um, when you are an entrepreneur, um, you can be fired by a customer mm. and that is your boss. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. that is sometimes, you know, again, it, it goes back to definitely in the restaurant business, um, but, but any business where I've uh, brought people on to help out. Um, it goes back to getting a bad review. Mm-hmm. Um, those things hit you to the core. They do. And man, they hurt. Um, but you have to, again, kind of separate yourself from the emotion of it mm. and start. And, and a lot of people, especially bad reviews, uh, a lot of people will have emotion behind it. But it, it, you need to remember that if they have emotion behind it, that means they're passionate about it for some reason. 
whether it's a hatred or <laughs> or or they they actually love the business but they're mm. so disappointed in it. Mm. Um, and so that's one thing I try to um, look at when I when I read a bad review um, is okay. What can we take from this? What positive can we take from this and learn from it? Even though maybe they're being a little extreme in some of their comments. Yeah, you ruined my life. I'm yes. like I sell ice cream. Right. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but you can be fired by a customer at any moment, yeah. and hopefully, it, a bad review ends up being one of those situations where they needed to get it out. They needed to, you mm. know, uh, say it, type it, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and they don't mean I'm never coming back. Yeah. They just needed to get that off their chest. And yeah. Hopefully, we'll come back. This is such a great shifting kind. I hate that we're at the end of our conversation because this is like such a great like conversation point. So we'll just park here for a second, but um, it is, it is really painful when you get fired by a customer. Cause I know for me personally, I think it, it's, it's definitely like justification. It's like, well, you know, you, you as the customer, you didn't see what I was doing here or like you just misunderstood or what, ha- what other things are. But um, I was fired by a customer last year. And I realized after the fact that we were deeply misaligned on even what our relationship looked like. My business is very digital. It's very, um, we use a lot of different technology apps and things like that. And this was somebody who um, lived on a farm with no phone service and no internet and never wanted to have those things either. So from from day one, we were misaligned. But my lack of of experience in really, you know, when, you're, when someone's, when you're selling to someone, you're also in a way validating if, if, you should sell to them, uh, which I didn't do. And so misaligned from day one, um, he eventually fired me or rather we, we went our separate ways, but it was tough not to take a person. Personal is not the right word. Like I wasn't like showing up at his house. Like right. how could you, right. but you know, when you think about your business, you know, you put so much blood, sweat and tears into it. it it's hard not to take a personal, you know, and I, I think of that one comment that you made, uh, was, uh, they misunderstood or whatever that, that particular word just, makes me remember that we didn't communicate it well. Right. You know, if we're advertising something and someone is disappointed, right. There was something on our part that we didn't do well in explaining what the product was, what the service was, whatever it may be. And so, you know, again, those are things that you have to take and learn from. Yeah. And I, and I, nowadays I try to explain those things like SEO is a really great example. We do SEO. And so I'll have a customer. I was on a call with a guy from New York on Friday and he was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere on this list. I want to be number one on Google. He's, he's, and he's calling me to say, Hey, I want to hire you. Well, I could have very much taken the energy of him coming to me and being like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. But knowing that, you know, I mean, I'm number one for good advice on a few different categories because I've been in business for five years and been slaving away on this thing. So rather than chase that opportunity, instead I dialed back and communicated, well, hey, just so you can know, this there's nothing I can do that tomorrow you're going to be number one. There's probably not anything I can do in the next three months that's going to get you to number one, but there's a lot we can do to at least move you up that list and get you one step closer. So I have found it being valuable to communicate even at the risk of losing the sale to protect a what could be a really great long-term customer. For sure. So. Yep. No, I think that's a great example for sure. Yep. Jacob, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Naturally, we're like, at the end of it, I'm like, man, I, we just need to have, we need to have another conversation yeah. and keep this going. I definitely need to come back. For people who are listening and they want to connect with you in some way, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? 
I'm working on that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I am actually creating a Freeze Industries website. That way it's it's easier for all my brands to be in one place. But definitely Barnett Stereot, um, barnetts.com or on, on social, Barnett Stereot. Uh, Freeze Fireworks, go like our page. Yeah. One thing we hadn't gotten into, Facebook hates explosives. So we don't get any chance to advertise Interesting. And, and, and pay for, for leads. Um, so go like, like our page on uh, freeze fireworks uh, for sure. It'd be a good yeah. chance for opportunity for some SEO, yes. by the way. Yes, so. there you go. <laughs> well, Hey, um, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, for our listeners, if you listen to our conversation and you enjoyed this episode, what the heck you waiting on? Click the subscribe or follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that at our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. And if you're a business, you want to advertise your business on the podcast, you can always reach out at Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Hey, for those of you who support the show, thank you so much. I love the good advice we get to bring to everybody every single day. And that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.